Hi, I'm Evangelist Felicia Wallace. Thank you for tuning in to the A Light for Christ podcast, where our aim is to reach the masses for Christ in this current day of chaos, distractions, and confusion. We have set out on this journey to encourage the weary, revive those of us who have been complacent in our faith, and redirect the lost and misguided. We are ordained pastors of the Light of the World Church of God, organized under the Church of God Ministries, Anderson, Indiana. We hope you will consider supporting our ministry by visiting our website at alightforchrist.com or from the links provided on our podcast episodes. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers and support. God bless you. How do we know if I'm sorry really means true repentance? In this episode, The Forgiving Father, Pastor Melvin will help us to discern the proper time and proper circumstance to receive those who have wronged us and now desires to come back into our lives. So take a moment to take a listen and be blessed. Today's scripture reading will come from the book of Luke chapter 15 verses 20 through 24. And it reads as such. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The title of this word today is The Forgiving Father. And you know, beloved, something that I'm sure we will all agree on is this. Somewhere, somehow, Everyone has been done wrong in some way. Everyone has had someone in their lives to make a mess of things. And we thought that we were on the same page. We thought that we were speaking the same language. Reminds me of a story of a struggling couple. And one day, the wife came to her husband crying, saying that we're living in our mother's basement. My sister uh, is paying for our groceries. Our cousin is buying the clothes for our children. I just think we should be doing better. To which her lazy, non-working husband sitting in an easy chair with a beer replied, yeah, you're right. You have a brother and an aunt that's not giving us anything. See, they 
were talking the same language, but they wanted different things. She wanted to be self-sufficient while he wanted to continue to sponge off of whoever he could. And you know, people are like that in our lives. It seems like we're talking the same language, but we have different meanings. And because of that, there's a mess that's being made. And the question is, how do we accept the person who has done us wrong back in our lives? How can we know that the transgressor is sincere in their apologies and repentance? And what should our response be? God has given me the assignment of showing us that in order to be able to forgive and restore those who sincerely seek our forgiveness, we must first continue with our lives, not allowing what is done to us to interfere with minimum disruption and loss. Wait on God to handle the situation because he knows best and watch for the sign of true repentance and change, which comes with the help of the discernment that God gives us. So let's just go over the scripture here. Let's just go over the passage here that was just read. First of all, we see the son acting on his plan on getting out of the poverty, hunger, humiliation, and filth of the pig pen he sunk so low in to make his journey back to his father's house in the hope of finding a place, any place within his household by any permissible means necessary. It was a long journey back, not just for his feet, but for his mind more so, because the conviction upon him was great. He knew he brought this situation on himself, and he had no one else to blame as he made his way home as a failure and a liability to his family, but yet, he still had to get there. You know, uh, I, I can just imagine him rehearsing uh, what he was going to say once he faced his father as he was able to see his father's estate from far away. Everything still intact. Everything still looking good. But, you know, it says here, uh, but his father saw him from far away. See, his father recognized him through his unkempt hair, through his soiled clothes, and by his unsteady but determined walk. Look at my son. Look at what has happened to him. Look at what has brought him home. So that father undignified himself by not waiting on the son to come to him, which was customary in those days, but by running to embrace his son before he got to his destination with a kiss and a hug of welcome. The son begins a speech of his sins and of his unworthiness to be a member of the family and was about to make an appeal to get in wherever he could fit in concerning his father's household when he was abruptly cut off by the orders the father gave to the servants with the plans 
he had for him. Go get the robe, you know, the one with my name on it, to restore my son honor. Put the ring on his finger to restore him to his position of authority. And put the sandals on his feet to restore and elevate him over the servanthood because he is free from the bondage of his sins that took him away from here. And I want you to go kill the fattened calf so that we can celebrate with him, reconcile with him with full acceptance and great joy. I want you to notice that, you know, in all of this, he never asked about the inheritance, what happened to the inheritance. He never asked, where's the money? Because he knew the answer. The money's gone. He never made the requirements for him to clean himself up first before he put the robe, the ring, and the sandals on. The point is this. When we give ourselves to him, God accepts us as we are, as he has us grow in him. All right? Because, see, we have uh, situations where people will say, well, I will come to church. I will get saved uh, once I get myself together. No, you have to come to get yourself together. So then the father proclaimed his son's new life by saying, you know, he was dead and now he is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. What made that father so eager, so willing to accept this son? The son who so hastily and recklessly squandered what his father gave him in such contempt and rebellion. Well, there are several things this father understood to reconcile with his son, and these are some things we need to understand in order for us to be like that forgiving father. What do we do? Well, the first thing we must understand is this, that, you know, when these things are happening to us, we must uh, continue to work in the midst of our situation. We have to, first of all, be too preoccupied in what we must do, that overshadowing the loss and disappointment uh, that may be there. We must understand that life goes on. And when we do this, we may be surprised at how well we do without them, all right? We will find that we don't need them. They need us. That's the first thing. And that father realized that, I'm sure. One thing he did, he kept what he had going while that son was away. But also in preparation, and this will be pleasing to God, and that is to have a place for the repentant sinner who will be back. It could be in a place in our home, a place in our hearts, a place wherever for the repentant sinner to come back. After all, we got things going on now and things are moving along well and we're just going 
about our lives, understanding that life goes on. So we're too busy to dwell and to be angry and to uh, just sit and soak and sour about what someone has done. When we work in the midst of our situation, we must also consider the price to be paid is worth having the repentant sinner back, as long as he is back right. We have to understand a repentant sinner is valuable in the eyes of the one who has cattle on a thousand hills and gives us everything we need and makes us everything we're to be. That's the first thing. We have to work in the midst of our situation. Next thing we have to understand if we want to be like the forgiving father is to wait for the change that God will bring. All right. We don't go chasing them down, trying to get them to do what we feel that they should do before the move of God. We do not go ahead of God in these situations. The forgiving father did not do this. He did not go out there in the far off country chasing that boy. He may have lost everything that he had doing that. No, he kept things going on the home front. And we do that by, first of all, waiting patiently for the move of God. Now it may take time, but it's going to happen. All right. We have to wait patiently for the move of God. Perceiving, understanding uh, from our life experience that they will be back. See, after all, and I believe this about this father, he knew what it was like out there because he may have lived it or he certainly witnessed it firsthand. You know, when you're a man of uh, the uh, experience and the stature of this man, you know these things. And these are things that really, you know, if we haven't been through it, we have witnessed it firsthand. And we know that the change will come. We have to wait prayerfully that no harm befalls the sinner before they come back. So when we wait for the change that will come, we wait patiently. We wait perceptively and we wait prayerfully. And when we do that, we will come face to face with the repentant sinner. Or at least with the sinner who says that he is repentant. And what we must do, beloved, at this point now is that we must watch for signs of true repentance. We do that first of all by taking notice of the timing of the return. Was it at a time of eagerness to be of help? Or was it at a time of convenience for the one returning? When did they come back? Did they come back during the working hours? Or did they come back during the dinner hours? There's a difference, you understand. And the father knew this when the 
lost son came back. And we know he came back during the working hours. And how do we know that? Because the other son was still out at work. And he wasn't to find out about this until later. That's a sign of true repentance. He could have came back when the table was spread and when dinner was being served. And he could have came back saying he was sorry and had a big meal and gone to bed. And But that wasn't showing the best of true repentance. When people are showing true repentance, they are ready to do whatever it takes to make amends. That's the first thing. We have to watch for. We have to watch for their tiredness. That their tiredness must be understood. Are they tired just from the effort of the trip from the faraway country? Or are they also tired and through with the sinful life that brought them down? We have to be able to see and discern which is it. Are they just tired from just getting to where you are? Or are they just tired and through of that sinful life that they have been living? We're watching for signs. We have to watch for the temperament of the returnee. Have they acknowledged their wrongs? Have they been humbled? Are they willing to start at the lowest point? Understanding that when they did what they did, they left people at a low point also. Now, if they've done all these things, everyone can start anew. And that's what we saw here in this. And that's what we must look for if we desire to be like the forgiving father. Now, I'm going to conclude this with a story about a young boy who decided to build a model sailing ship. He wanted this ship to be a perfect replica of the ships that sailed the high seas hundreds of years ago. He researched how the ships were built, the materials used to build the ship. It wasn't easy to find all of the material and it was expensive. So he financed this project by doing what he could do, delivering newspapers, shining shoes, collecting cans and pop bottles, cutting grass and helping people load their groceries in their cars at the supermarket. Finally, he was able to build that ship. He took his time carefully putting all of his concentration, time, and skill in building this model ship. When it was done, it was a perfect replica. But there was one more test. Will it sail? So he took the ship down to the lake and put it in the water. And it did sail. But further and further out in the water until it was out of sight, lost to that boy. He was devastated. But it was out of his hands now. There was nothing he could do but try to build another one. So he went about the business of raising money to do just that. But one day, as he and his friends were going to the park to play a game of baseball, they passed a pawn shop. 
And what did he see in that window of that pawn shop? He saw his ship. He runs into the pawn shop shouting, That is my ship. Yeah, if you pay for it, the clerk replied. So the boy went straight home, went to his closet, got his piggy bank, broke it open, and got the money he worked for to buy his ship back. He did not negotiate the high price, even though the ship was battered with broken pieces because he was willing to accept it as it was. Just give me my ship. As he walked home with his ship, the boy said, Little ship, you got away from me, but I have you back. It cost a lot to get you back, but I paid the price. You are battered and broken, but I will make you like new. And isn't that just like Jesus with his desire to reconcile with us after we drifting away from him until the enticing blue, but eventually stormy waters of sin, iniquity and destruction snatches us back from our certain fate. Isn't that just like Jesus, even in realizing the tremendous price he would have to pay for our sins said to the father, not my will, but your will be done and shed his blood on that old rugged cross for the remission of our sins that we may have eternal life with him. And isn't that just like Jesus? And after we are battered and broken by the decisions, mistakes, and consequences we make, he still redeems, restores, and reestates us in his kingdom. That's just like Jesus. Be blessed. Hi, this is Pastor Melvin. We hope you've been uplifted by the word today. We hope you were blessed. But you know, I want to talk to you about the urgency and the importance of being right with Christ. Romans 10, beginning at verse 8, gives us instruction. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Are you willing to give your heart today? If so, repeat after me. Dear Lord, I admit this day, that I am a sinner in need of your forgiveness. Believe that you are the atoning sacrifice for my sins and that you died on the cross to pave the way to eternal life. I ask you, come into my heart and make me whole again through the power of your resurrection that I may be born again and enter into the fellowship of the universal body 
of Christ. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Welcome to the family. And stay planted in the Lord. This is very important. So God bless you.